Well, hello and good Sunday morning to everybody. I'm Dustin Dykey, the youth and music pastor here at Byesville Assembly of God. Pastor Greg Black is going to be bringing the word. Would you pray with me before he begins today? Dear Jesus, we thank you so much that we can hear from your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless Pastor Black as he brings this word for us. And I pray that we would be willing to hear it. And I pray that we would be willing to understand what you have for us today. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Here's Pastor Black. Good morning. I want to begin today by reminiscing a quick journey back to Christmas Day when I was eight years old or so. My prized gift was a toy gun. It had interchangeable barrels, one short for when I was Sergeant Joe Friday of Dragnet and one long when I played Roy Rogers. Well, I loved it till it broke that same morning. You see, it was plastic, hard, rigid, and very brittle. Unlike the polymer of today that is used in real guns, the plastic of yesteryear was made to look good and sell, not to serve for years on end. Well, I will use that term plastic in my message today because it fits perfectly with the image of many in our world and even in the church. But now, to the book. The Bible is our best source of information and inspiration from God. This book is voluminous, a great tome of words. And yet, it's small in relationship to all that could be recorded throughout the time of its writing. There are so many events, everyday mundane events, that lie lost to history, for they are of no consequence. Boring words record routine events, and as such are of little worth. It's like that during much of our lives. Very little happens on the wide screen of history. However, today is not such a time. Events are piling up at warp speed. We live in momentous times. This book records the consequential events of God's relationship with mankind, the very lifeblood of His love for us. And we need to pay close attention to what it says because reading the Scripture is akin to watching the evening news. I recommend that you read it every day. So what am I saying? Simply put, this book omits the mundane and focuses on the events and records turbulent times, times like our own. It's all about men and women who were called in the midst of great conflict to take a stand and be counted for their faith in their loving God. The book focuses our attention on examples of faith in faithless times, of love in hateful times and of hope in hopeless times. Paul records in the love chapter that when all hope is lost, hope abounds. And when all faith falters, the faithful arise. And when hate flourishes, that is when love overcomes. Such is the time we face today. We live in an exciting day. The kind of time that the book depicts and we follow in the footsteps of the prophets and teachers of old, of the judges and kings and those faithful ones, both men and women, even children at times, who did great exploits of faith in the midst of perilous seasons. 
Let us not shrink from the task at hand and withdraw into the mundane, that which is safe and has little consequence. Such will little be remembered in the annals of time. We must remain alert because events may pass without our notice, events that will alter history, events in which we are called to play a vital role. I now direct you back to the book, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Let us consider what God has to say to Bisville Assembly of God in this day of uncertainty. What is he calling us to be? How shall we respond to the events facing our church? Indeed, the events which confront our entire nation. First, allow me to remind you who we are. We are not high-minded elites that we alone are competent to control life circumstances. Know-it-alls who trust their wills above the will of others. We are not proud of our powerful influence in our world. No, we're humble folk of rural America. Does that mean we're inconsequential, without influence or purpose in society? Absolutely not. We, my friends, are children of the King, residents of the heavenly kingdom, and we have great influence with our Creator, Savior, and God, Jesus Christ. We are his children, the apples of his eye, the bride of Christ, and as such, we are very important to him and to the world. We are his ambassadors to a dying world, the bringers of good news for all people, and we are called to be salt and light. Soon after Jesus called the first of those who followed him to believe in him as the Son of God, he led them to a hillside classroom and began to set forth the values of his kingdom. Found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 2 through 16. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all of the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. During this time of turmoil, perhaps you've been wondering, what should I do regarding my relationship with my neighbors? 
how can I best witness to them? What of my civic duty? Should I get involved? What about our church? As we begin to seek God's will for a new leader. What do you want from me, Lord Jesus? Lord, let me tell you what he said to me regarding my questions and how the events of today are unfolding. He said, you are the soul of the earth. You are the light of the world. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As he spoke these words to me, I asked, what's it look like, Jesus? And that is when he directed my attention to the verses that preceded soul and light, the Beatitudes, verses 3 through 12 of Matthew 5. But first, let's look at salt and light. The essentials of being influential and finding meaning in our relationships. Salt preserves. It retards decay. Salt keeps us fresh and keeps us from rotting and stinking up our interactions with others. <laughs> Rather blunt, but true nevertheless. Salt also makes us tasty, pleasant to the palate, and a pleasure to be around. Light both warms and illumines. When we are light, we exude warmth and pleasantness. We bring to the open the hidden things that those who have not the light are blind to. They need us to provide both warmth of faith and hope of love, as well as the insight into their deepest needs, and that which alone can satisfy their soul. Do you believe this? Do you understand that all the CEOs, news commentators, kings, presidents, congressmen and women, senators, mayors, commissioners, generals, and sheriffs in the world, that you are more important to our world than all of those combined, if they are not also children of the king. You see, Christians are the catalyst to burn, to burst forth the vitality of new life, the newness that Christ gives everyone who will bow before him in the hope of salvation that only comes through his blood. Sit up straight in your seats, Christian. You are truly the soul of the earth and the light of the world. Feel important because you are his ambassadors. Feel the weight of the yoke. Oh, but wait, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Rather, feel the strength of your yoke, fellow, as he carries the weight and allows you and me to join with him in his overture of love to lost mankind. So then, back to my question of him, what does salt and light look like in my everyday world? How do I ensure my influence for Christ in this upside down world? And here's what he pointed me to, the Beatitudes. You see, first of all, what is your source of power? Jesus framed it this way when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. This refers to our source of power. Are you empowered by your own goodness, your pleasantness and amiability to others? Do you rely on your personal achievements as an endorsement to others? 
Do you aim to please and to agree no matter the issue? Is peace at any cost your way of avoiding conflict? Personal power is a political tool and is characterized by situational ethics. That is to say that the end justifies the means. If it brings agreement and if tolerance will suffice, then love is unnecessary. If you depend on personal winsomeness or appeal to win for you friends, then Jesus gets left out. If we put friendship with people over friendship with our Savior, then we are not poor in spirit, but haughty and prideful. In short, we're lost. Only those who realize their utter helplessness and turn to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, can find the power to become the children of God. God abhors plastic people. They're a disappointment to Him, just like that toy pistol was to me on Christmas Day. And the book of Revelation records that if one is neither cold nor hot, he or she will be spewed out of God's mouth. Plastic people, those who are not real in their relationships, are fragile and totally ineffective for the kingdom. They cannot be ineffective as ambassadors for Christ. They are those who agree with the last person who confronts them, no matter if they agree with their wishes or not. They are too weak to disagree without being disagreeable. Plastic people are not salt. They are corrupt and they stink. Pliable people are not light. They neither illumine nor are they warming. They simply fail to be counted discounting themselves and their Savior. But take heart. Anyone who tends toward pliability can find power in Christ. It begins with confessing Him as Savior and continues when we accept Him as Lord or Commander of our lives. We must lay aside our own pseudo-power and totally depend on Him for our source of power. We must be strong when we realize our weakness. Paul confessed his weakness in triumph. He said, So to keep me from beginning becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that, should, that it should leave me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore will I boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What about the pliable Christian, the fearful plastic one? who relying on their own strength of will readily bows to the pressure of opposition and to avoid any conflict simply runs away from the situation lest they be crushed. Paul confronted the Corinthians with this very issue and called them to reconcile their misbehavior to God. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us with the message of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Here's what he meant. You're a new creation. Now act like it. Accept the newness of power and be salt and light. No Christian man or woman need ever shrink from being salt and light. We are called to be, and duly empowered as, ambassadors for Christ. So then first, being real with power from Christ alone. And then second, is our genuine emotional response to the world around us. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Again, plastic responses to the situation of our world lack power and authority. Some would have us wear a smile and pretend that the world around us is of no effect on our emotions. They warn us against pointing a condemning finger towards sinners because we expect them to sin. Okay, so we don't condemn them, but offer them the good news instead. That, that is correct. But it falls far short of his call to be ambassadors. By not addressing the sin, we are inadvertently giving permission to them to molest children of our land. How can we ignore the millions of babies sacrificed to the gods of sex in our society? How can Christians tolerate homosexuality and the abuse of children as sex slaves? Salt and light mandates that we speak up as a voice of reason to the carnage and immorality rampant in our world. Christians must not ignore the lawlessness and dishonesty we face in America today. We must mourn and do so publicly. Unashamed of our Lord Jesus Christ, we must join Him when He mourned over Jerusalem, when He cried, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you were not willing. See, your house is left you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thirdly, salt and light wants personal presence as being Christ-like. Our behavior matters. Jesus called it meekness, having the attitude of Christ. Philippians record, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In other words, it's not all about me. Our world is fraught with selfishness, and they expect it from others. Indeed, when it does not come, they wonder and often conclude that we are timid or weak. The truth is that selfishness always stems from weakness and never from strength. Christians are not weak, as stated before, but we are ambassadors for Christ, new creations, and need never be selfish or self-serving. There is only one Lord, and He forbids anyone to assume a bullish attitude toward another. If you find yourself yelling and trying to intimidate, then know that you're feeling weak and need to regroup and repent. And I've said.
And the fourth beatitude, salt and light, hungers and thirsts for righteousness. This is the personal integrity of the Christian. And we must define righteousness not as the Pharisees who force the letter of the law out of weakness, but by Jesus Christ who taught that right and wrong always triumph by relationship reflecting strength. We hunger and thirst for Christ's righteousness to be manifest in ourselves and practice forgiveness and mercy for others. The Christian ambassador refuses to point the condemning finger. Rather, salt and light practices the most godlike act of all, forgiveness resulting in reconciliation. Ambassadors practice righteousness and refuse to require that of others and refuse to cause them to bend to their definition of righteousness. That is Phariseeism, not Christ-likeness. Jesus follows his reference to righteousness with the overarching trait of salt and light, altruism. Mercy is the next beatitude. It's the essence of salt and light and shouts from a position of strength to a world lost in accusations and hatefulness, offering life and redemption. And what of the one who refuses to show mercy? As the ancient Israelites did, Zechariah spoke to them in God's name. Thus says the Lord of hosts, he said, Render true judgments and show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor, and let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. They refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder and stopped their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. As I called, and they would not hear, so they called, and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. And I scattered them with a whirlwind among the nations that they had not known. Thus the land they left was desolate, so that no one went to and fro, and the pleasant land was made desolate. Anyone who refuses to be merciful does so from a position of weakness and not of strength. Remember, Christian, you have power to become because that is your source of power. And it's not from within. It's from the Spirit of God. Next, salt and light reflect inner motivation, purity of heart. If we, from a heart of love for Christ, serve Him and one another, then we will be salt and light. It is not so much what we do as who we are that makes us credible witnesses. Jesus said either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Salt and light are all about relationships. And Jesus pronounced a blessing on peacemakers. 
because he is the ultimate peacemaker. He made peace with God through his blood on the cross. He calls us to be the same, peacemakers, reconciling men to God as ambassadors of Christ. It's the culmination of all the other indicators of salt and light. Our source of power is in Christ. Our emotional response is appropriate. Our personal response is about others and never about self. Our inner structure or integrity requires personal righteousness and refuses to accuse others, while our altruism demonstrates forgiveness and mercy in all matters. And all this comes from the inner strength of a pure heart in love with God and man. Peacemakers are not just peace lovers or people pleasers. They are actively spending their lifeblood to bring others to a right relationship with God through Christ. And finally, what is the natural result, the expected outcome of a life characterized by salt and light? It's persecution. We will never find safety and security in salt and light, but rather it may cost us our very lives. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So how does one either confirm or deny his or her saltiness and the efficacy of their light? How is this quality measured? It's quite simple, really. Are you persecuted? Do you encounter those who oppose your saltiness and illumination? Do they refuse the warmth of your honesty and love? Have you incurred the wrath of those who oppose God and practice lawlessness and iniquity? Now, I'm not saying it's okay to be hated because you're just plain hard to get along with. But if you're hated because of your identification with Christ, then where is a badge of honor? Jesus said to him. If you're not sure that your power source is totally in Jesus. If you're not sure that He's your Savior, then I invite you to pray with me. Jesus, I believe that you're God. I now accept your death on the cross as my only remedy for sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. Amen. Hallelujah. And for all of us, the rest of us, what better way to say thanks than to make Jesus Lord and make salt and light our daily quest as we are ambassadors for Christ in this lost and dying world. Focus your attention towards your world with a life based on Jesus' values of the kingdom found in the Beatitudes. Make sure that your source of power is in Christ. Your emotional response is appropriate. Your personal response is about others and never about self. Your inner structure or integrity requires personal righteousness and refuses to accuse others while your altruism demonstrates forgiveness and mercy in all matters. And all this comes from the inner strength of a pure heart and love with God and man. Peacemakers are not just peace lovers or peace people pleasers. They are actively spending their lifeblood to bring others to right relationship with God through Christ. Be an ambassador for Christ 
as you live as salt and light. Amen. God bless you.